Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about a band, an artist, punk rockers. This week we're talking about Green Day. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. This is Tyler. And once again this week, we are talking about Green Day. And let's get the energy up in a positive manner by starting with Jared. Jared, what did you think about listening to Green Day this week? Oh, that, that doesn't bode well. <laughs> I uh, just assume that I'm going to get it from the opposite direction here. I wonder why he has to insinuate so many things about me. We know you well enough to know how much you hate We've this. done this for a minute. Um, I uh, enjoyed it. I had not probably i don't think i'd listened to some of the albums before i knew uh music from uh, international super hits we had that we had a friend burn that for us as children mm -hmm. and i bought dookie a long time ago as a kid and I, that's one of my favorite punk albums ever mm -hmm. and then uh, i appreciate uh american idiot i think that's a good album as well i had a fine time with the music this week or time or whatever we want to call it sure Sure. Wonderful. Tyler, thoughts? Green Day? I liked every album except for American Idiot. Ah, that's good. You should, I don't know why you. this has to be so surprising. I like Green Day. That's good. I Wait. grew up listening to Green Day. What? Huh? Yeah. Who? One of the what? earliest albums I own. The first, really like the first album that I really bought was uh, a live Ramones album. And then one of the sooner next albums was International Super Hits. I had my cousin buy it for me at Walmart, even though Walmart wouldn't sell. Oh, uh, no. Later Green Day for some reason, even though that Green Day was. Did you get it was edited though, right? No, it was not. Oh, they said no to editing. It was not. Yeah, they never yeah. did editing. Yeah, Green Day said we won't we won't put our music in Walmart if you guys are going to make us edit it. That's what Green Day yep. said. But guess what? They I bought nope. this at Walmart. Yeah, this album, International Super Hits, at Walmart. Huh. And my cousin said, "We just she, I don't know I was with her and not my mother, but because uh, my cousin is quite a, a, older than I am." And I said, I want this. And she said, Does your can I buy that? Does it does your mother care? Go, no. And so she bought this for me. Tyler, would you describe Green Day as Walmart punk rock? No. <laughs> no. Green Day is the only one of the only bands that were making music when I was young that I considered punk. Yeah, I would say that's I mean, at at our age and during that period of time, they were probably the closest to I mean, they're still probably the most mainstream, like, close to pure yeah. punk band. Yeah. In our lifetime, yeah, for yes. sure. Like, because, uh, well, yeah, because, I mean, obviously, Ramones were, Clash. you know. Clash, Ramones were both mainstream at the time because, you know, they were a big deal and punk was kind of up and up. But, yeah, no, the last few decades, it's not like punk music has been in the mainstream at all. And you can also credit um, Green Day with any group that has come out since then um, with influencing. So, like, after yeah. Green Day, yeah. you have Blink, right. which obviously Blink um, were uh, influenced by Green Day. And then you have, for sure, um, like, uh, I guess, Newfound Glory, although they weren't as mainstream. You mm. have Fall Out Boy, who were influenced by Green Day, I'm they sure. They definitely influenced the... Um, 
I, I mean, I would say that American Idiot is probably one of those albums that definitely led to like the pop punk explosion of the mid 2000s, yeah. a la Fallout Boy, My Chemical Romance, Panic at the Disco, etc., etc., Forever and Ever Infinity, because sure. that album was so freaking big that it's stupid. Um, no, it is stupid. Like, it's ridiculous that American Idiot blew up at the height that it did because, like, and we'll get there, obviously, but, you know, from Dookie, after Dookie, their commercial success had waned kind of slowly from album to album, depending on what their decisions were on those albums. And so, you know, to to very quickly run through it, Insomniac is a little bit more of a traditional punk album. Mm -hmm. And then um, the following album being uh, Nimrod Nimrod. uh, was a little bit more experimental for Green Day's standards, of course. And then Warning is also still kind of experimental for their standards. It's just more of like almost like folky punk. Yeah. Got a lot lot more acoustic guitar basis to it. Good songs on there, though. Does have some good songs on there for sure. Um, and then obviously, you know, at that point, they just keep kind of dipping down in terms of like, um, sales and, you know, they'd have hits, but not hits at the level of like basket case or long view. No. Uh, and so, you know, to go from 2000 to 2004, it's not like anything happened, you know, it's not like there was some weird cultural change or uh, drastic change in their music that would make it so they would suddenly reinvigorate their popularity. But the singles off of the album just landed at that time. And the same, like, I mean that what I was thinking about recently about American idiot. Cause I mean, think that was really probably all of our initial introduction to green day as nope. a bigger group, as a bigger group. Nope, nope, nope. You think it was dookie still? I don't know. I mean that what like I, are you I, what for I, our age because we would have been really young. I, we would have only been like you know I, between ten to thirteen. I bought international super hits before American Idiot came out. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. And I, and I knew Green Day before that because I learned when I first started playing guitar. I learned Green Day songs on guitar because they're mm-hmm. easy. Yes. And I had friends who listened to Green Day. Quite right. So I was listening to Green Day and I knew them as a bigger band. Before American Idiot came, that's why I don't like it so yeah. much. That's why because I remember before American Idiot, and now when I look up back to that, it was two thousand four. I just think, no, that's cool. It was quite a long time ago, really. Now that I think about it, but yeah, yeah I bought that album before American Idiot came out. Because I guess the what I would view it as, just because of again what our age range would have been at this time, is that not to say that Green Day was not a big band prior to American Idiot, but that's when it would have been way more visible because it was right in front of us with how much I can't like, remember if I owned Dookie before American Idiot came out. I'd almost guarantee but you I'm, did. Well, that's what I'm trying to figure but I'm trying to figure it out because so Nimrod uh, came out or no warning came out in 2000 and right. I would have been eight years old mm-hmm. and I'm like, there's no way I knew about this band right. when I was eight. So there had to have been some kind of, but I also am pretty sure I knew about them before American Idiot. I think so, so too. In that four-year span between 8 and 12, I guess, I had to have found Dookie at some point. Because I bought it at a garage sale. Mm-hmm. And I left, I mean, it's like probably the top five maybe influential albums in my life, potentially. Yeah. Because, I mean, just like I would never have listened to punk rock probably had I not listened to Dookie. Almost assuredly. But, um, but then you also have Time of Your Life, which is Ugh. probably 
the worst their song ever. Their biggest hit, like <laughs> their most well-known Com- song, commercially because of the yeah. exposure it had on like big Wasn't television. Wasn't Seinfeld? Yes. Seinfeld second that to last episode. That was so yes. big. Yes. And big that Seinfeld. like, I mean, yeah. I think I like that song. I know that, and it's like played at every freaking graduation. I hate it's like everything. Yeah, and so I hate it's that song. I, I like everything. it, but I, I well, do you like do you like any of their ballads? I mean, it literally, there's no song on the, those first albums uh, up until American Idiot that I hate to the degree I hate that song. I mean, I hate that song. Yeah. Probably because I had heard it a couple of times around. Sure. Before knowing that it was Green Day and then allowing it to shatter my already yeah. uh, only punk band there is at this modern day. Yeah. understanding of green day right probably just pissed me off so much that there's no way i could possibly even consider it to be when valid. do you right. think when do you like, think you would have heard that song first because uh you it came out in 1997 so obviously you wouldn't have known it when right it first no came no out. i would have known so, it. like i don't know i probably would have i don't even associate it with green day very much no like, i don't mentally, at all like it's no. just like Almost it's like it all. could be a goo goo doll song yeah, it honestly could be, it could be yeah. you know what i mean like it's yeah. just like but it's so separated from their discography, right? And yet, their biggest one of their biggest songs, uh, I mean, like we said, commercially and, and just like culturally, because it's not as punk. I right. mean, that's a big yeah. part of it. Because what I was gonna say is, is that like the only two uh, prior to American Idiot, since that's where you're grounding at right now, um, the only two other songs that would even maybe come close to being considered a ballad from the rest of their discography, maybe when I come around. It still has a yeah, whole lot of punk really to that. it, yeah. but it's like it's a great the, song. Though. It's the early version of a Dookie where it's a little bit more sentimental, if you will. I'd say all by, and my then, se- all by myself is a ballad. I'm not. I wasn't. Gonna say <laughs> I was. I, my set. My brain said it. And I said I'm not going to do it. Not going to do so, it. Not going to do it. The other one though is like Macy's Day Parade, yeah, which yeah, which like of. is a little bit closer. Yeah, but it's still punky. Yeah, it's still got a little bit more to it so, than that. But uh, I mean, yeah, like Good Riddance is absolutely. There's no gr- Green Day other than Billy Joe singing. That's pretty yeah, it much sucks. about it's it. Horrible. When I come around, I, kind of a ballad thing. That's, that's what, what he said. That's what he was saying. But not, I don't know. Not, not the same level. It's no. just a little bit slower. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I just checked in that uh, Good Riddance is not on International Super Hits, which is actually a little bit surprising. That is surprising, yeah. Um, so I that means that my, that's the reason I didn't, or else I would have just been very confused. So I must have heard, me, Wouldn't I must fit. have, no, I must have heard that song. Let just someone had known it and played it somewhere, yeah. and then I found it was Green Day, and I said, "No, that's no, it's not." Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, and then yeah. So well, what I was gonna say, so uh, you know, I do think Jared that you're correct that um, Dookie probably was purchased before American Idiot came out. But what I was gonna say is, is that we had purchased a lot of CDs when we were younger from like yard sales. Like I'll give another punk rock. Um, example Fushu Mang. No, I was going to say uh, the Offspring. Yeah, which was, I love that Americana. Yeah, is yeah that right? I love Americana. So, I love Americana. So my point is, is that yes, we heard Green Day on a CD when we were younger. Yeah, yeah. But that didn't indicate that they were a big deal because we would have had the same exposure to the Offspring's Americana. And when the Offspring released music in the 2000s. It did not be it, – it was not an American idiot. No. So what no. I mean is is that when 2004 happened, from 2004 almost all the way through 2006, they I, had singles coming out from that album yeah. that were everywhere. It you was heard the, them on MTV. You heard them at 
our standard as always a bowling alley jukebox or the pizza place jukebox or the radio you could not not hear those songs from american idiot and i think that that is where you would like at our age we would have said i think that green day is a big deal because i hear them all the damn time so that's what i mean is that like yes they were definitely big Prior to I think it, it was for the, us, that's when we would have known that it the was. The political frustration of that time, of that album is basically a, it's an anti-George Bush album. Right. Yes. And I think that the... Grounded in like a, a post-9-11 yes. Iraq war. Right. The, uh, um, I mean, it came out just before it was re-elected, like very close to yeah. when it was Yeah, it was intentionally, because I mean, that was so. right up before the election. It was 2004. So, you know, they didn't even know, like in the recording process, if he would be re-elected or not. Right. So, But I think that uh, maybe like, because like MTV and everything played it, that that was another, but it's just interesting that every, almost every single was like so huge. And then like when uh, Wake Me Up When September Ends. Worst song uh, on that album. Which it is, it is. It's, I love uh, the idea that people like talk about it uh, as this like uh, uh, somber or whatever, but it's like it's uh, it's got a different meaning than what people think it means. It's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, but um, but yeah, you associate know, with like the war end of things because of the music video. But isn't um, it about his dad dying? Um, like I don't remember for sure. Actually, me either. I think that it still is supposed to elicit feelings of like, cause again, it is like that post nine 11, um, you know, that's the, so the idea of American, we've spent a lot of time on American idiot considering we haven't really spent a lot of time. Well, we're, we're going back and okay. forth quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So American idiot, uh, as a, as a thematic piece is a punk rock opera. And the, the theory, the, the story behind it is this like young guy who's the Jesus of suburbia, which you hear in the second track. And then also there's another character of St. Jimmy. And it's all about just like disillusioned teens uh, growing up in this like uh terrible time, you know, of it, it is about the death of his father. Is it? Yeah. That's what okay. I thought. Okay. Cause like, people associate it with, uh, like you said, like war or right. uh, sadness uh, for other things, but yes. it's actually about like, veterans and like they use it as a meme and it's like dude they're talking about his dead dad yeah like memeing it in september so sad yeah it didn't work out so well let's go back though let's go back to early on yes um so green day of course did not start at dookie dookie was their 1994 uh major label debut not their debut album their major label debut they had albums prior to that like kerplunk we listened to kerplunk uh, but that even wasn't their debut. They've been making music since like what 88? 88. 88 was the the starting point. 87 I think is the formation and 88 is the initial release. Yeah. The first 89 was with 1000 hours came out. That's in, the first EP. May, mm-hmm. yeah, May of yeah. 89. And they were playing more like underground punk scenes because at this point they really were still more rooted in punk than they would become. Cuz I mean, I still think and I'm sure you would agree is that Dookie is still for sure a punk album. Oh, it just oh, has yeah. more of a pop hook to it, which is why it became more popular mm-hmm. than most punk rock albums. That was also California punk at the time. Rancid is the same way. Rancid's pop yeah. too, but it's still punk. Right. And yeah. then Rancid Rancid also was kind of a part of that California yeah. scene that was starting to kind of come up as well that just didn't hit the Green Day level, you know? Well, there's a lot of a little punk... There's a lot of... Not, I wouldn't say little. There's a lot of punk bands from that era that are pro, like a lot of people know of that just aren't green day popular bad religion is another good example mm-hmm. you know throughout the late 80s as like hardcore punk waned in its area which was really i mean 
not necessarily California. Dead Kennedys were California, but you know, it was a DC East Coast based situation more so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then you get some of these California bands who are doing punk, doing whatever, and they have kind of like that. It, it has a California or a West Coast vibe to it. You know what I mean? That, Rancid definitely does. So I think it was just like them trying to do their own thing with the with the scene where it was at the time. And you do have a lot, some bands turn up through that period, and then none of them just made it to that level. All of which are, you know, still prominent punk bands. Really, Rancid and Green Day are probably the two biggest in terms of true punk bands from the period that came up and produced music through the 90s and even right. into the 2000s. But again, obviously, Rancid... Just because of the commercial end of things, just oh yeah, it just wasn't at that level. level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so you know, the, and the, I think that the big issue that Green Day faced and definitely follows them throughout their career is just almost that rejection of them being a part of the punk rock scene. You know, that they, they viewed Dookie as kind of this like spit in the face of the punk ethos of like, oh, okay, so you won't be punk, but now you're part of the establishment kind of mentality. And I think that like, so like Insomniac. Uh, definitely goes more in a strictly punk direction and you don't see as many hits from it because of that. And that was a direct reaction of like, look, we're still punk. Look at us, we're still punk. Seriously, we're punk. Like, And I think that they took kind of that criticism to heart throughout their career of like, like they were rejected by the punk kids of like Gilman Street, which is the the bar that they would play at in the California region. And then they would also be kind of rejected in the mainstream for being these snotty brat teen punkers. Right. And so they really didn't find home with anybody because of the way that they performed. Yeah, but which is interesting because that album's huge. Yeah. Like 10 million copies. Yeah. Like it's massive. It's their biggest. Actually, I think it's still their their highest li- selling? biggest selling. Yeah, mm-hmm. their most yep. selling album. Is it's still, still sold more than uh, American Idiot. So it's. I mean, it's just kind of funny that that's the re- that the result is no home, I suppose, or no place. So I don't know. That's kind of interesting. But. It's almost like you have to question, like, like if you're getting it from both ends, it's like, oh yeah, we're rejecting you from the punk end, and we're rejecting you from the mainstream end. Who was buying this album? Because it was almost freaking everybody. Like, like I guess at some point you just be like, okay, yeah, there's criticism in both these ends, but like somebody likes this music, they've bought a lot of it, <laughs> like. Yeah, and the, again, like the there's so many hits off of Dookie, like yeah. Basket Case, Welcome to Paradise, Longview, and When I Come Around, yeah. are all huge Green Day songs. And even yes. She is still a pretty yeah, well known Green, Green, Green Day song. So like you know, it, it's not as though Dookie wasn't full of hits, wasn't huge in sales, didn't get a ton of playtime on the radio and on music videos time, and like. All of these songs are memorable to the point that people still know them today, no question, you know? And, I mean, definitely there are rock bands who had, you know, a number of hits in the 90s, but I don't think that it was as common for a 90s group to, one, have that many hits on one album, because typically it'd be kind of like a one-hit wonder move-on situation, but you'd still get a ton of sales. And then two, be able to come back and keep having success throughout that period of time. So, you know, I think that like, it's weird that there is all that criticism, even though again, like they're even bigger deal than I think we give them credit for sometimes just overall, not even just Dookie. I mean, I think that they are credited relatively well in mainstream media or whatever. Um, They didn't have their first mainstream hit was Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Oh. So nothing what? from 
Nothing from Dookie hit the Hot 100. Every, really? They were all alt-rock hits. Oh. So Longview was number one. Paradise was seven. Basket Case and When I Come Around were both number one. Jar was number one, which yeah. is a promo song oh. from, from the album Angus. Yeah. Uh-huh. Film soundtrack, yeah, soundtrack Angus. But uh, even American Idiot only got to 61, but it was a number one rock song. But then uh, Boulevard got to number two. Holiday got to number 19. And Wake Me Up got to number six. And then they haven't... You're telling me American Idiot was like 61 on the charts? Billboard Hot 100 chart, yes. Hmm. That's crazy. I know. It seems like it's bigger than the other songs. Oh, yeah. for sure. Because that song... Except for Wake Me Up. Wake Me Up is... I, I know it's a big, you know, like, mainstream. Yeah, I don't know. Bo- Boulevard of Broken Dreams, when, when I remember watching um, the H100 MTV yeah. at, the, at the time... That's the song that they played. Yeah. Well, I don't remember it being on the radio that often. Like, compared to American Idiot, I feel like American Idiot know. was played more on the radio than uh, Boulevard was. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's been a long time ago. I don't know. Yeah. What, I mean, I don't know what was it. I don't know what was more popular at that time, whether it would be, you know, a music, television, or radio. I, I think it's, yeah, hard it's hard to, to say because, uh, again, from my recollection, it was just all of them. You know, like. Like by the time the the wave of American Idiot had started to subside, the next hit came out. Which what was the order? I know that it was American Idiot first, and um, uh, Wake Me Up When September Ends last. Is that correct? Well, technically, uh, Jesus of Suburbia was a was, that's true was the last single from that album, right? Which came out like and over then, a year past the release of the album. Yeah, yeah. I, don't uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what was. And then the next song after that was the Saints Are Coming. A cover with you too which uh-huh. i remember that I was like that was kind of the beginning of their demise uh downfall a yeah. little bit of yeah. trying to be in the mainstream but also kind of losing a little bit of the credibility and the punk scene right. for sure and then um a little bit from uh and then they covered uh working class hero from john lennon yeah uh which i remember that song i mean that like all of these songs they had mainstream uh appeal and such and then from uh 21st century breakdown which i don't know if if anybody listened to, it. I mean, I grew up and I listened to it, but we didn't. I don't think for this. I didn't. F- I, I've heard pod. it, and heard, I don't need yeah, to hear. It. Yeah, same I think because, the only uh, thing I've never listened to in full are the Uno Dos Trace albums uh, yeah. because oh, yeah, I, I just did either. not feel or like Revolution Radio. At all. Know Your Enemy and Twenty One Guns were both yeah. uh, mainstream hits as well. Twenty Eight and Twenty Two. So like, wow, and they were terrible songs. They were just riding the coattail at that time of American Idiot to be able to have two hit right. songs from a. A be- an arguably well, bad album. I mean, at that yeah. point, um, if Green Day made music, it was on the radio, yeah. regardless of what it was. You yeah, know, yeah, it was which, on ro- it was yeah. on which rock was not radio. the case before, really. No, 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 not the same. And again, American Idiot did that. For yeah, sure. it was yeah. all over too. I just looked it up to confirm, but and my my remembrance is correct. American Idiot was the outro song for the entire first season of the Andy Milanakis show. Oh, was it really? Funny. Yes. I didn't know that. I don't remember that. Isn't I just remember that? the theme song. I did, well, the I outro bees, song was bees American on my head. Idiot. But don't call me a beehead. He had that flying dog. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so it was all over the place. Yeah. But um, Bruce Lee's on my They head. are lucky. Um, in you terms started of, it. Yeah, it's true. In terms of, I did. In terms of radio play, mm. um, that at the point that those not good albums came out. Because yeah. Know Your Enemies is just a Terrible. bad song. Terrible. It's now, very repetitive and yeah, not very good. It Stupid is. repetitive, 21 not well Guns written. is uh, it's not bad. A, actually a decent pop song, but a bad rock song, yeah. if you ask yeah. me. So, but whatever. But, the, the, I mean, at that point, though, I remember when, when that album came out, too, and I remember hearing 21 Guns on the radio in the same thing. And they're like, it's a green, new Green Day song. And I just go, well, Green Day, I mean, like for American Idiot, they, right. they had a Broadway show. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, but it was adapted 10 years late. Well, six years later. 2010, I think. It was it was, it was late enough that it... I mean, this was even after, after the release of 21st Century Breakdown at yes. that point. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I think a big piece of that is, that you can really see became part of the issue is just like almost just them being willing to be stagnant at that point. Like they had spent so much time... From Dookie to American Idiot, trying to figure out how to how to guess gain the respect. Um, again, Insomniac was them trying to get the punk crowd. Uh, you know, Nimrod was them trying to get a, a broader fan base, you know, so on and so forth. But then after they got all of the attention and finally realized, oh, we're big, you know, rock stars uh, in effect at that point. You know, it, you can see the quality dip because Know Your Enemy and Twenty One Guns are both clear indications of generic looped ideas Mm -hmm. just like just circular choruses no original idea at all and of course like they've always been uh, about kind of like a formula to some degree the the three chord green day and it's a punk it's just a punk yeah exactly and they just did it more in a poppy way than what maybe other punk bands did but you know at least they had a little bit more of um a little bit more diversity in the sound at that point. Like if you look at a song like American idiot being, you know, uh, again, it has the same kind of similar, like repetitive guitar riff or holiday, which has one of the most repetitive guitar Mm -hmm. riffs on that whole album. At least both of them have points in the song where it takes a little bit of a change that makes it like, okay, this isn't just the exact same song over and over again, but know your enemy never ends it is like yes. you could make a 10 hour youtube loop of that chorus and i'd be pretty sure that was the actual song also the i mean some of their songs do this some of them don't but for that song especially the vocal uh the vocal part follows the melody of the music yeah so it's just like da 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 the same thing da 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 yeah it's yeah yeah that's true. That so does like, that does change okay, things up too. Let's, uh, you know, so you just want something else. Yeah. You know, uh, the That's thing about very true. punk is that like, because most of the time it's so like yelling or sometimes like spoken, like speak singing. You know what I mean? The, a lot of times the hook doesn't, you know, because you're playing loud chords that are just like fast, like four chords. It's just a chord progression. It's not necessarily a melody. Mm-hmm. The melody has to come from somewhere else right so sometimes so if it you're comes singing from, the guitar riff right then there is no melody right or the melody is like all the whole thing is just a melody and it's just cheap and simple yeah you know so so you mentioned the vocals let's actually touch on that a little bit what do you guys think about billy joe armstrong as a vocalist not necessarily just a songwriter but obviously he has one of those more eccentric definitely notable voices in just rock music you know like not even just like punk music pop music whatever it might be just in general, he has a very like it's very noticeable who is singing when Billy Joe is singing. I well, saw somewhere somewhat. where it was described as um, that he was an American who was trying to put on a British accent who was trying to pretend to have an American accent, which is just this weird circular way of saying that he just has a nasally voice. Yeah, it is nasally. And I think it's kind of slackery as well. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what I find ironic about what, like, I agree to a certain extent with what you're saying about how he's, uh, has a noticeable or iconic voice, but also he's in like three of these secret bands that oh, they're yeah. still unsure. Like, I mean, we know that it's Green Day, but at the same time, it's, they won't say, uh, it. yeah, like they, they won't, mm-hmm. uh, like, and they'll come out. They've had several times where they've done a concert 
and they will be advertised as a different band and then come out and it's Green Day, but it's like this other group's name so that they can like test out music in front of a crowd without being Green Day. But it's like, so as iconic as his voice is, it's also ironic that he's in a few, like there's a group called The Lookout that just had an album come out, I believe last year, that had an album several years ago that is kind of, I showed uh, Tyler some of the music. It's like new wave, uh, yeah. kind of interesting. I thought that was the network. The network, that's what Because it's Lookout the was the original yeah, that was label, label that they were signed to. And then uh, hot the Foxborough Hot Tubs mm-hmm. was yeah. another group that came out that I remember when, like, I liked some stuff from that. I they, thought that they, it was well known that, that they were a part of that. That one, one was known. Yes. That one it was known. But and not the, one I, the other one I said. But he's, he's been in other things as well, and they've done, like I said. Um, yeah, but everyone knows. Well, his but, voice gives it, in the even in like, the Foxborough Hot Tubs, his voice clearly gives away. That, yeah, that that's yeah. I don't, there was no secret that the Foxborough Hot Tubs were Green Day. That's what, but it was a, a garage rock version of Green Day. Yeah, that it they was didn't... legitimate garage rock too. Yeah. I was pretty oh, yeah. happy about it. Yeah, actually. it was good. I mean, I like that that album. Yeah, but, it wasn't just like. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know what to say about his voice necessarily. I mean, it's it's uh, noticeable. You know what it is. I don't have an issue with it. I don't think it's obnoxious, but I can see. Like uh, we watched a few performances of them uh, doing live from when Dookie came out and he really put it on at that time. And even yeah. now, like around American Idiot time and stuff like that, he will uh, accentuate his style of vocaling that yeah. couldn't be perceived as uh, maybe, a, maybe a bit much abrasive. Well, yes. I think that if, if, one, if it were not for his vocal style, you wouldn't get like the way Tom DeLonge sings. Yeah. You know, it certainly influenced. Where are you? Well, I mean, think about it. it. Punk, pop punk throughout that whole era, post Green Day, you know, post initial Green Day, these, all these people have these like nasally lazy that's voices. Yeah. yeah you know, true. that's how they all sing. Yeah. Now they didn't all quite like, I think it works really well for him in Green Day. Meanwhile, it's a total turnoff for me in most of these other pop punk groups. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are certain groups. Well, because at that, that point, it's replication. It, yeah, it's replication, and it's like, how many times do I need to hear these pop punk bands singing this stupid Tom DeLonge voice? You know, because he kind of overdid it, really, to an extent where it's just like, yeah, yeah, we get it, pal. You know, so a lot, but a lot of people did that. Even some Forty One had songs that are like that. Yeah, and uh, um, Mike Hem did it. Yep, Mike Hem did it. Glory did it. Mike Hem did it. Mike Hem definitely. Every single one of those groups that we're talking about that were mainstream big uh, pop punk bands from the two thousands. They all did that. that Patrick Stump in Fall Boy. Yep, he did did it as well. He he put it on with the energy. I would argue that Panic at the Disco, yep, Brendan Urie well. did the same thing. He just happened to have yeah. a little bit more of a... He's got a better voice than most of those people. That's what I was going to yeah. say. He is, he's a little bit more trained, you can tell, in his vocals, which is why, obviously, he could become this big old pop star now, but yeah. in a way that I don't think that Billy Joe Armstrong no. could be a, a, a Brendan Urie type nobody today. He, nobody really wants to. Anyway. Probably not. I mean, because he's kind of... I mean, he's kind of just difficult. It, it's you know what I mean. He's contentious, and he's definitely. Um, uh, I guess I would even just say he's very full of himself. Yeah, the, but it's like kind of arrogant. It's, I think it's gotten better since he went to rehab, probably. Yeah, but before that, especially, it was just like. You know. he, I think he sees. I, I mean, I mean, he's talented as a songwriter, and definitely like you know, he's a, in a, an important rock band for sure. But Hall he, of Fame. That's the year true. they were, first, the year they yeah. were, yeah, first year, first right. year that they were available to do so. As a, I mean, they should have been really anyway. Yeah, but 
But I mean, like, you know, he definitely views himself as like, just like this, like rock Titan of like, like rock music wouldn't be the same without me. Like, and he's just like, I don't know. Like he definitely views himself in a very, very big way. And I don't think he would be the type to not like, like let his pretensions aside and say, I can be a pop artist. Oh no. No. Which is funny because really, again, like a lot of what they've done over the last decade, it still has punk to it, but it also has become so formulaic and poorly performed that like you kind of have to assume that they're doing it only to get money for it. But at the same time, it's not selling in any way, shape, or form the same way that it was. But nothing so, is, so you can't really no, compare it, though. But what I mean is, is that like they like the last ten years, they have not had any hits from the last four, or five albums they released. Three of them, of course, in the same year. Um, but like you know, they haven't had big hits. They haven't had sellout shows in the same way for those albums uh, or anything. Yeah. I don't know if that's for true. those albums, like for those. Like, I mean, not yeah. But like. Uh, well, they had to. They're uh, going on the uh, Hella Megator uh-huh. with Weezer and Fall Out Boy. That was oh, what great. was supposed to be uh, before the pandemic, right? And now they're like rescheduling those shows and such, right? But all of those, um, I'm pretty sure all of those bands were supposed to have some kind of album to uh, sell for this tour, mm-hmm. and then all of them just had to release it without, you know, like the benefit of going on that tour. And so right. it's hard to know if they would have gone on this big world tour crazy with all the big hella groups or whatever, like mm-hmm. how much it would have changed the sell of um, yeah. their newest album. I don't know. About uh, that. Father, of all. Father of all. Yeah. Motherfucker. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. It's just not interesting anymore. Now. And I think fair. that why, like, let's pretend I'm a young person. Let's pretend I'm coming into my musical. Do you do that a lot? Like, well, no. Let's say I'm sitting at home pretending that I'm ten years old again. I, I don't feel so old. I stop paying my bills. All right. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Questionable place to be in. So, uh, you know, here's um. So the thing is, like, now I'm I'm looking for something, right? And I've got Green Day. Ooh. I mean, the likelihood that I've heard it from someone is heavy, right? I'm not hearing it on the radio. I'm not seeing it in, I mean, let's, I mean, there's no such thing as music TV anymore, whether it be VH1 or MTV really, but you're not, it's not there. It's not accessible to the way that it was. Yeah. Right. So it's likely I've been told. And if I've been told by it, it's probably from someone older than me, you know, and it's unlikely that those people are even are going to be people who are like, check out this new green day song, you know, because it's, it's gotten uninteresting. And why would I go for that? If it's not, on the radio, yeah. if I can just go right back to Dookie right. and start at Dookie, which is more interesting, more energetic, more about like what actually thrills people in Green Day's music. I think that so, that's why American Idiot was able to have a little bit more of like a new success for them was because it was different. It wasn't something that they had done before. Like again, like you know, how many pop punk operas are there currently in existence? No. Yeah. You know, so it's like. You know, that made it a little different. The songs were, you know, not completely off the beaten path from what Dookie sounded like, but certainly different enough that you could tell something was going on and that they had done something in the last decade to be different. But, you know, that album offered something that, you know, contrasted what we could have listened to with Dookie. You listen to it and you say, oh, you know, I could listen to this instead of listening to Dookie. Oh, yeah. But everything, yeah, from the last decade, you're like, I could just get this from somewhere else. Right. And it would be way better. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Bummer, Green Day, that you're doing that now. <clears throat> but,
But I think that they're, I like Green Day's songs. I think that they're good songs. I think they're like for what they, for punk songs, for not like intricate rock songs. I think they're pretty well written. Perhaps I think you that could they're mixed tell me pretty well. Your favorite? It's Brain Stew. Is it Brain Stew? Oh, of course oh. it is. Oh, uh, Jared, <laughs> be free. No. Spread your wings. Did you remember? Remember my favorite Brain Stew? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to play that one? Oh, we can, I guess. Uh, no, just say it, and then we'll play the real brains too. Ah, oh, dang it! Uh, We've I've done it before. I've per- well, but not everybody. Most, I doubt anybody listening to this ever did the other thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Godzilla soundtrack that came out in 1998 that had Matthew Broderick in it uh, had a Green Day version of a brain stew that featured. <laughs> The uh, screams of Godzilla in between riffs, and it was one of my favorite things I've ever heard in my entire life. And it's like what one of the things like that made me love Green Day. I think you know it's so odd. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I'm having trouble trying to sleep. Counting sheep, but running out. As time ticks by, still I try. No rest for cops in my mind. On my own, here we go. I think that Brain Stew is probably like my all time favorite green day song as it's well. so hard it's so stupid good like it just feels like a hard song it's yeah. the hardest feeling song and like it's also again so just like it's such an easy formula like i don't know have you played that on guitar before yeah so the, stupid easy i like it because stupid easy it's hard the guitar tone is sick and like chunky and it's like the way he because he's playing it that way it feels chunky and when the and it's a good uh, it's a great song to show the that vocal style that he does. Yes, where it's just lazy. I like that. I like when everything comes in; and it just gets louder. I like when uh, later in the song, in between the chords, he's just like hitting, all the guitar slides. He's just hitting, stuff. yeah, he's just hitting the all muted these muted guitars. strings yeah. that are just like I like that it says "fuck" in it when I'm a kid. Uh, I like that when I play it on guitar, I just feel like a badass because it's like the most badass song I know on the guitar. By <laughs> has early anyone, guitar learning, has anyone? It's ever like one of able- the very first songs I learned that. And I learned, like, that may be the first one. That and Smoke in the Water may be, like, the first two songs I learned. And I'm like, oh, Smoke in the Water is cool, but I'm going to play this Green Day song. You ever hear the Green Day song? So. Is there, has anyone ever been able to replicate the muted guitar tone specifically from that song, though? Because I don't think it's possible. Maybe. I don't know. It's really hard because, it, like, it's got a lot of noise in it. The distortion to it, yeah. It's like, distorted, but he's, like, got, it's like he's got a boost on it, so you can hear, like, all the little nastiness in it. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's pretty cool. It's a great song. I it's like, definitely the best song. I like Brains Do a lot. Yeah. I think that it's one of the, I mean, that's one of the ones off of Insomniac, and I think that, I mean, the only other one from that one that got a little bit of, like, recognition was Geek Stink Breath, mm-hmm. and both of those songs are, like, kind of similar in terms of, like, kind of slowing down a little bit, but just being like real sludgy and gross. Yeah, it is. It's and sludgy. It's fun. Um, it's good. 
I like I like that they have been able to find a way to kind of do both of those ends though. But like obviously like for me not good riddance or wake me up when September ends. But I like that they are able at times to do songs that are a little bit more on the soft side without sounding like they've totally lost themselves. Like one of the songs that I forgot that I really really enjoyed from this from listening this week um, is redundant. Mm-hmm. And redundant is really good because it uses more of that like kind of shimmery guitar tone to it. And like his vocals are a little bit more melodic and like, it still doesn't feel like it's not a green day song. Like you can, it definitely still feels like a green day song, but it definitely feels different from other things that they had done up to that point. So I like, I like that they were able to kind of, you know, they could play both ends of the field without completely losing their punk edge. Yeah. I really, in terms of if you get about to get into something different, in terms of uh, the what I like about their songwriting as well is I like the bass line it does not follow the rhythm of the guitar and it's more prominent in the mixing. So it, the layering is really great. And I really like Trey's drumming because it's not just like the normal punk drumming is a fast standard beat with a little bit of fills. He's got like more fun fills. Like we earlier were watching that live basket case when the drums come in on that like lots of snare fill in the beginning of that song. I love that part of that song. It's great. The drum parts are fun. It's, it's hard to argue. And honestly, like I know that it is kind of formulaic with the way that they write the like the instruments, but like they're good instrumentalists. Like Trey cool is a good drummer. Mike Dernst is a good bassist. And like Billy Joe Armstrong, isn't like a dynamic guitarist by any means, but he certainly plays to his strengths. Well, and like I don't, I think that they do a very good job of filling out the sound as a trio, yep. and that's never easy. Yep. I mean, you know, that's not something that like you can really take for granted is their ability to kind of like e- even live they fill out the song very very well with just the three of them, you know. And I, I like you kind of have to appreciate at least that end of things instrumentally. Yeah, I agree. That's always difficult. Yeah, the mixing helps really well. With that, because everything's got its place right. and fills. And the bass, because it's just like, this is something different. So I'm really getting all the different things and I have to pay a little bit of attention, maybe. Yeah. Jared? Jared, is Brain Stew your favorite as well, or did something else stick out to you as a favorite? I don't know. It's very difficult because there's so many songs. They're full from, of hits, man. I know. They're that, full that of it's hits. It's very difficult for me to pick. Like, Because like, right. I, I think I like Dookie more than I like American Idiot, but I think that they're both... Same like complete albums where front to back there are really no issues like i don't think that there's any like uh filler or bum tracks that's the problem with the other albums and especially after american idiot is that they had no uh like siphoning especially uno dos trace where it's like this right. is oh, yeah. that's d- nonsense oh, but yeah. they didn't like uno dos trace being three albums that were all released like were they all like written each kind- was had a each member had a hand in that each album or something like yes, that. Yes, that's yeah. my understanding as well. So each one of them kind of had like a, a whole album that they wrote and then they made it and it all was released like in the same year. And it's like, what are what's the likelihood that each one of you is going to write a dynamically awesome like album? It's not not going to happen. It happened. That's what. First off, it's Uno dos Trey. Yeah, that's true. Cool. But uh, cool. uh, that's what uh, Kiss did that. 
and only one of them ended up like actually being a decent album that <laughs> yeah. people actually bought. And it was Gene Simmons covered when you wish upon a star. It was terrible. No, no, no he was, did not. Yes, yes, he did. Bad. Gene's album was garbage. The only one, people wanted Ace Freely's. Like Ace Freely is first off, why need, no one wants the Basis album? Nobody no, wants. you know I don't care if you are Gene Simmons. Nobody wants your album. People want Ace Freely's album, and guess what? It was actually written well. So there's no way that like you can't replicate that with with punk. I think that so um, American Idiot for me has a couple of flaws, but I'll admit like I have been hard on that album and i think a little bit is my own pretension of just saying like i grew up on this album it's what i listened to when i was like 10 or 11 so it's like how good can it be now but like the more that i've kind of revisited i'm like you know i don't have the same bitterness towards american idiot as i did for a while and i think again a lot of the bitterness comes from just like so much of their later career kind of like waving into american idiot where i'm like oh yeah wall of their newer stuff sucks but really, like American Idiot's not a part of the newer stuff. It's a, it's totally different from the 21st oh, yeah. century breakdown. Yeah. I cannot put those two on the same like no. plane They're, at they all. They do have a lot of similarities. Like they're both kind of anthemic, yes. uh, like um, rock operas. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the other one was not as good. No. Um, was it no? What did what was it called again? Twenty first century breakdown. breakdown. Yeah. I like songs from it, yeah. uh, but it's not as good in any way. No. Um, but I mean, like there uh, for me, there are a couple holes, and like, but they're a lot more minor than I guess I had remembered. Like I, I don't think Letter Bomb is that interesting of a song. I don't like Wake Me Up When September Ends, and like, what's her name shouldn't be on the the set list. To be quite honest with you, like. Homecoming ends the album so well that what's her name just feels completely out of place for me. It's like, cause like the end of homecoming sounds like the end of an album. And then what's her name comes on and it doesn't sound like the end of an album. And so it just throws off the, the, the flow for me in terms of that album. But otherwise, like, again, you know, I thought about American idiot. Jesus of suburbia is a great song. Oh yeah a great song to be quite honest like it's well it's well pieced together as like a punk rock suite you know like you wouldn't think of it in that way but there are different movements to the song that make it a nine like an eight minute long no nine minutes nine minutes nine minutes i remember being so excited when fuse would play the entire music video yeah i was so pumped because it's, I mean, it's so long. You're taking up a lot of broadcast time. A lot of broadcast time. But it is front to back, like, just, especially with when you watch the music video to that song, it's just, like, it's, it's a good cinematic, video. really. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it works so well with the song. Yeah. And you're, like, invested in this these characters that's, like, I mean, how often In such are you, a short period of time. I mean, you're invested in the characters, like, on the album to a certain extent, but you don't get the full grasp of characters when you're just listening like right. that's one of the reasons why i love meatloaf so much is that his uh, uh bat out of hell albums are so like thematic as well yeah uh, which you know whatever let me sleep on it let me sleep on it uh i want to talk about basket case for a moment go for it right. uh which i would say is one of my favorite songs i don't know but i what what you don't know what do we think? Uh, I, I have a question about the the part of one of the lines, the Please. lyric. All right. The, I went to a shrink part. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I have always, always a mystery. I've always uh, understood it as uh, he is mixing up the the conversations that he's having. 
So the line is, I went to a shrink to analyze my dreams. She says it's lack of sex that's bringing me down. I went to a whore. He said my life's a bore, so quit my whining because it's bringing her down. And I always thought that he went to the shrink, and the shrink was saying that the that his, the life is a bore, and then he went to the whore, and the whore said, oh, it's lack of sex that's bringing you down, oh, you be. see? But I don't, like, does anyone, do either of you two have any opinions on that song, well, like, on that line? It is confusing, for sure, the way that that is Especially structured. when he says... It makes sense. Cause he the, changes the pronoun... Yeah, he said yeah. my back life's to back a bore. Yeah, he said my life's a bore. Well, hold on. So who's it bringing down? Like no, he only he only down, switches the, the pronoun once. Right. No, it'd be twice because I went to a shrink to analyze my dreams. Um, she oh, said it's lack she of sex. Says she says I went to a, a whore. He, he said she said. So it goes she he she. But it's a different person. Yeah, he so said he not, he went to a whore. He said my life's a bore. So quit my so quit, my whining because it's, it's bringing, bringing her, her down. down. Her that's being his, sec- that's his girl or whoever the person is, the other person's life is. Yeah. So what you're like, the, he only switches the pronoun once. He only not switches three the times. he. Okay. Yeah. Because like it, the it's two different conversations. Went to the shrink to analyze the dreams and its lack of sex. That's mm-hmm. one conversation. Yeah. Then the next conversation, he changes the pronoun. The whore. Uh, he's, he he's then it goes a, back to she. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I see it right. all makes sense because like this song it was doesn't ri- all make sense. It does <laughs> because this song's written about uh, his panic attacks. Okay, yeah. and in that frenzy, that's what happens in your mind. You know what I mean? So this whole song is like written from the standpoint of a person having a panic attack and they can't figure it, any of it out. Yeah. Okay. So it just all makes sense with the terms of like you mix. He's mixing things up. Mm. It's all just like what's going on. You know, so it makes like from it's the him idea whining of, about everything and nothing all at once. Right. It's all the entire song is like contradictory and in his own head. Because yeah. like it, you would like w- listening to it, you think he's going to a male prostitute. Sure. Uh, but then he changes the pronoun. So then you're like, well, this is interesting, like a change. And I, right. I don't think that he's having sex with a man anymore. But maybe he just messed up when he recorded it. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. I've always been. He still sings it like that live. He'd be like, it's always been. Just before I sing the song, just so you guys know, I did mess it up in the recording. I'm going to sing it right this time. It's always literally like been the most like confusing, interesting Green Day lyric that I've ever heard in my entire life. I agree with that. And I've never done a podcast where I can bring it up to two people that also listen to it and be like, hey, yeah. what do you guys think about this? I've always found it kind of strange, too. I've never totally been able to like pick it apart completely but i had never thought too deeply about it i've just always known that's an interesting line I'm sure and i think a... that they're i mean i think that they're overall they're the themes of their songs are typically pretty interesting like mm. longview is silly in terms of the way that it addresses it but it's still just about like boredom and just like meaninglessness it's about masturbation it's about masturbation to fill up time because you're bored and meaningless life <laughs> and like uh, you know, but they go through, I mean, like Geek Stink Breath is about like his uh, time using meth. Um, you know, like uh, Brain Stew is also about insomnia. Yep. And Clearly. like they are just talking about a lot of different like mental health issues that he has and drug issues that they have. And like they get into a little bit more dense content than one would maybe give them credit. Yeah, for. earlier on more so than. Really in in oh, yeah. Dookie and in uh, and in uh, Insomniac. Insomniac, yes. Sorry. Yeah. While we're on the topic of uh, uh, songs and song lyrics and such, I want to talk a little bit about the song "Warning" because there's ah. two interesting things really about this song. One being 
the, the song Warning, he, he wrote it to incorporate uh, all signs and labels. Like, that's kind of like in the lyrics of Warning, like, um, this is not a test, this is, or what? what is the lyric? Uh, this is not a warning or this is only a test or whatever. Like, it's a public service announcement, this is only a test. So, and the, like the, he wanted all of the lyrics to be related to uh, signs and things. I see. The other being that it is a uh, a sample, uh, maybe even a stealing of a riff. If you'll play uh, the song uh, "Warning" first, of course. And if you'll play the song "Picture Book" by the Kinks. I'd like to. It says strong resemblance. Pretty close. Hold on, I'd like to play. There's something. one chord difference there. Strong resemblance. Yep. Was making it different. It's totally different. It's a rap song. It doesn't sound anything like that. Oh, and just to prove his point, Turn that off. Vanilla breaks it down and Vanilla. sings the dings. <laughs> ding 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 diggy ding ding, ding 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 diggy ding ding. Ding, 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 ding. That's the way theirs goes. Ours goes ding, 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 that ding. play uh, Donald ding, Trump ding, singing ding, 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 dong. Ding, 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 that little bit of change. <laughs> so uh, that's ding, ding, uh, ding, 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 ding. It's a, it's just that little, mm. little upshift right at the, the the guitar riff part right there. Pretty much, does that make sense? Did Vanilla Ice explain it okay? He yeah. did. Yeah, okay. he did. It's a good he thing sure, he said that. For sure. Did. That's that little hi hat. It does it every. Gets me every time. Yeah, every time. Every song is just one high hit away from someone else's song. <laughs> of course it is. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. But I mean, it makes sense because they were kind of like with that album in particular, thinking about more of like the the old pop um, sounds of like the Kinks and the Beatles and stuff like that with that, which is why a lot of the acoustic and folk and of course Jared's uh, well-lauded harmonica. Was that on that album? It comes oh, no. in on both uh, Nimrod and on... Um, uh, that album warning warning yeah play uh i don't remember why i saved the song but play the song walking alone i think it ha- it starts off with a harmonica. that is the one with the harmonica okay, yeah, yeah. Play, oh, i just want to hear that it's pretty good I was so surprised. I'd never listened to that album before. Yeah. I was so surprised the amount of like harmonica and folk on mm-hmm. on that. Like I I don't know why I never li- like I mean I listened to the songs that were the hits from the International Super Hits or whatever, but mm-hmm. why I missed basically I don't I don't think I ever listened to Insomniac, Nimrod or uh Warning. You would have only heard the hits all the from way International through, Super Hits, I assume. Uh, up to that. So, it's very odd to me that like as much as I've said historically how much I like Green Day. Yeah. That I, my Green Day liking is literally uh, Nimrod, or Dookie and Dookie American, uh, American, American Idiot, Idiot. and, and, and anything after that. Yeah, and it's yeah, international. Yeah. It's well, I mean, even on international super, even on the um, minority, mm-hmm. that's like a drinking folk song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It falls like a drinking song. Kind yeah, of. misery is also. It's almost got like a carnival feel to yeah. it. Like they go and I yeah. think it's an interesting. There's album. another song on warning that has uh harmonica but i don't remember which one it is um but that actually that song that you wanted to play there jared walking alone 
Uh, he did not know how to play harmonica. He just did it. It sounded pretty good. I'd say so. Dylan-esque almost. Oh, my. True. Wow. No, what no a sell. Surprise, though. I'm not surprised he didn't know how to play harmonica. <laughs> yeah. Does he look like a harp person to you? No. 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 no, no, no. no. Uh, we should get through some some of the the silly silly bits if we've got any left. Um, we should mention, of course, uh, because it, it is the most important thing is their feature on The Simpsons mm. yep. and them doing the theme song. I think that is worth mentioning. Um, okay, you know what else? They were on another show, mm. another animated series. Mm. They were they had a cameo in a 1997 episode of King of the Hill. They did. That's nice. They did uh-huh. indeed have some King of the Hill in their life. Yeah. Which I I don't remember. Did, did they play? It? Did they play on? It? I don't remember. I'd love to see yeah, look what it, it up. is. See if you can I it. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. I would love to. Do it. I want to see what Hank reaction. Thing? What to did Green we Day. play? Was it Tool? What What did we play that had some kind of connection to King of the Hill? I don't remember. Was it Tom Petty? It was Tom. Oh Petty. yeah, because Tom Petty voices <laughs> yeah. a character on King of the Hill. Yeah, voice. He voices Lucky. Well, yes. Well, even so. Did you know the King of the Hills coming back? Whether they're like ten years older or something like that? I did not. I think it's going to be either right. Peacock or something. Well, some like, people I got, are. I got it for you. A few people are going. I got it for you right here. All right. Oh no way! That's them right there. I laugh at Tony yeah. Danza. I wonder if that music is what killed this grass. Wow, Kane Scritterberg. You're that 12th grader who put down on all the stop signs. Peace. Wow. Fellas, my name is Hank Hill, and I'm the block captain. Now, it's not that I don't like music. It's just that I don't like music. I don't like music. Hey, now cut that out. This is serious. Oh, my Lord. You've got five plugs and one outlet here. <laughs> Does your father know you're doing this? My dad's dead. Oh, but I'm sorry. I didn't know. My uh, condolences. Does your mother know you're doing this? My mom's in prison for killing my dad. <laughs> Okay, I get it. You're joking. Well, I've got a sense of humor. I laugh at Tony Danza. Of course, if you aren't joking, I feel bad and I apologize. I laugh at Tony Danza. I laugh at Tony Danza. I laugh at Tony Danza. All right, that's it. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three! I'm not horsing around here. Lucky for you, I don't have time for this right now. Come on, Bobby, let's go to the fun center. That was great. I am so Was that Green Day? Yeah. Now so I don't know if that was Green Day. I wish I had read just a little further because uh, this uh, I owned for a long time only one season of King of the Hill on DVD, and this episode was in that season. The man who shot Kane Scredderberg. I could tell you what happens the entire episode. It's a great episode. I never knew that was him, <laughs> and I laugh at Tony Danza. Are you are you sure it was Green Day? Apparently yeah, you can tell that was Trey's voice I, I, or Mike yeah. or whoever it was. Yeah, I know. I just it's just because you, you wouldn't have piece. thought it was you would have thought it was Billy who was doing the sure. voice, but then the animated character looks kind of like him, so it yeah. makes sense. I wonder if that music is what killed this grass. That's, that's a great, great word. It's a great oh, clip. I've never gotten into King of the Hill. I love oh, it. that's a shame. Uh, but I phenomenal. I need to I need to do that. Damn yeah. it, Jared! Like, cause I mean, do you I, laugh at Tony Dan? He's Mike Judge is crazy because yes. he's been in so many uh, things. Yes. Uh, uh, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, created. 
in that you mean and uh, king of the hill what was the thing that he did later something else he he had so he did office space and when he made office space i love that too he was uh he was contracted for more than one film and the second film took a long time but it was idiocy idio idiocracy geez yeah that's a good idiocracy that's a great um he also did the most recent show was silicon valley on hbo he created oh yeah that's right no shit he created that show he did yeah my judge is a legend yeah he's phenomenal he's hilarious it's a great show too yeah it is a great show it's not even remotely similar to any of the other stuff no. that's what's insane he also oh um this is a mike judge show. yeah he did a lot of stuff. <laughs> you, should, <laughs> you should look it up and explore mike judge things mike judge go look funny. into mike judge and go laugh at tony danza yeah i'll laugh at tony danza i'll laugh at tony danza um i'm glad any... that we checked that out uh, yeah me too do you have any other silly the only other thing um, that i had that i was uh i've always appreciated growing up was there was a mashup video that came out a long, long time ago. There it is. And it is Boulevard of Broken Dreams and Wonderwall together. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up, too, because the Mr. Gallagher, not the good Mr. Gallagher, <laughs> uh, used to just joke around, quote-unquote joke around, that it was a ripoff. What was? That Boulevard of Broken Dreams was a ripoff of Wonderwall. Oh. He, he said it before out of his mouth because he's a big, dumb idiot. Uh, somebody that is a teacher of yours or something? Who's Mr. No. Gallagher? Jared, not the comedian. Gall- Gallagher? Gallagher's. Like the- Noel and Liam. Oh, okay. Well, when you say mystery, you're thinking of one. But I think Yeah, I don't remember which one was, so I just made it ambiguous. Liam. Was it Liam who said uh, it? No, it was probably I, yeah, it was, it was probably I believe Liam. it was Noel. Yeah. I don't know. They both suck anyway. <laughs> Hoping there'd be something fun in the chorus, like where Wonderwall chorus comes in, but that was kind of underwhelming. For no, me. that's why I was like, D- you wrap it up, friend. Is that uh, every day happen. I wake up and it's Sunday? Is that a lyric from either of the two songs? No, I don't think so. What is that? Uh, I do. I never knew. I just remember that coming. It comes in featuring but... Travis Eminem. No, oh, quality work. I mean, it's not like a good mashup, but it's a good. It's a tra- every day I wake up and it's Sunday. Whatever's in my head won't go away. The radio's in playing. What is this song? What is that? Something Anyways, um, it's um, it's like not quality for 2021 mashup, no. but it is good like introductory mashup for what I now like. You, you know what I mean? do like that a lot. Travis writing to reach you. Travis is a that I, is I've the heard song. Of Travis. 1999 yep. indie or rock kind of group, right, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just a forewarning, I want everyone to know out there that uh, Oasis isn't good, so don't forget that. Make sure we got that in for this one. It's yep. just not the same Get without. It it's not the same without. Not the same. You know why I wasn't really paying attention to American Idiot when it came out? 
um, because it came out in 2004, and that's when Rin's debut album came out. Ah, uh, there it so is. So let's get that in while we're at it. Take a shot. Why is we talk real quickly about the couple of their live performances that got a little out of hand? Oh, I guess yeah. we'll start with Throwing the, wood, the Woodstock, yeah, Woodstock yeah. 94, where they we watched it earlier with a he, Mr. Armstrong incites a mud fight. Yep. Between first between concert goers and then between himself and the band and concert goers. And uh, what is it? It's like a uh, six, becomes a, yeah, yeah like a six, six or seven video. minute song of just a bass and get yep. and drums. He's just laying on the floor playing the bass while they just throw pieces of mud back and forth at each other. Yep. That's also and we I wish we could have found the video earlier. It's unfortunate we didn't. And I don't. And I, you said that you read it too. So I'm wondering yes. if it's actually true or someone just kind of made is. it up. But supposedly, uh, the the basis for Green Day, Mike. Was on stage and a, um, a security guy mistaked him for a person in the crowd who had gone on stage, which is probably pretty easy to do, really. When you're covered in mud. Yeah, and you're not holding any instruments, I'm assuming, is when it happened. And he punched him in the mouth and knocked some of his teeth out. Yep. So. Good times. Nice nice security. Better than Hell's Angels, I guess. Oh, no. That's right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's not good. That was bad. That uh, was the, the Who, right? That was yeah, bad. that was oh, bad. Oh, it was, oh, there was a, yeah, it was not good. The other one is the one in our is, backyard, really. Yeah. The other one is the uh, could have gone I heart, darker. Though. I heart it radio. The I heart radio performance where uh, Billy Joel gets all angry and yells, which is fun. Yeah. One minute. One minute. He was cut for time due to Usher needing to perform longer. Which yeah, I don't know about that. I said he said Usher will never be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They <laughs> they apo- they apologized later, and I guess they said something. Well, I heart radio. No, 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 a no, representative. Green a representative for Green Day. Oh, California. Jay they had the floor. Behalf. I see. Yeah, representative from California has the floor. They are sorry that they made a big old mess. Um, but no, they said that it was a misunderstanding that they didn't have a minute. I don't know. It was a weird. He, Green Day said that. No, well, the, the representative uh, iHeartRadio yeah. did, and it was like yeah. kind of weird. And it was, but whatever. They still got mad and they smashed their guitars because they were pissed. It gave them a great opportunity for a punk move. Yeah, they did have. A, they don't moves. have enough of those really. A punk move where you rant for about three minutes. That's littered with profanity. We've been doing this since 1988. We're one, not Justin Bieber. Yeah. One fucking minute. One minute. One and, fuck. Yeah, just and like you, over and over again. And then you prove that in like your what, like early 40s, you can still smash a guitar, which is a, a little bit yeah. impressive. Not bass, a nice guitar. A well. bass guitar is heavy as well. They're and hard. He, to and Mike smash. smashed a bass guitar. Those things are. Fit. That's true. I saw it broken in half into the video. Phoebe Bridgers must have watched that video and she was must inspired have. for her SNL performance. She's been learning. That's why everyone needs to have uh, an acoustic song to end or near in their set. They're way easier to break. Mm-hmm. Truly. Hollowed out. Yeah, much easier. The electric ones. You'll never see me thick. making that mistake. Ever. I'll remember that. Yeah, don't forget it. So, what was our, uh, uh, I guess, our final verdict on Green Day? Glad we covered Green Day. You think it was worth worth the time? Tyler, I guess, because Jared has had this perception that you've just been, just no way. We're never covering Green Day. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you thought that. I like... I mean, Green Day was important to me. That's good. Basically, every album before American Idiot because of international super hits. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I was as well for a long time was just knowing those songs. But it's still those songs are reflective of the sounds on those albums is important to me as a music listener and growing up. Yeah. And I got it. I did get it. I mean, I know I had that album in sixth grade. I remember listening, bringing it into school and listening to it during school. Hmm. You know, I so, listened to it during church. Yeah, I, I couldn't sneak a CD player into church, but I could sneak it into school. Who said I was sneaking? Well, I couldn't just walk in either, I guess. No, I know. I guess I couldn't blatantly walk in. 
with the CD player. Yeah, I got player. my headphones. No, I got my, boom bo- I got my boom box on my I'm shoulder. I'm just like I walking hands in the air. I want everyone to know. I got a CD player in this hand, anti-skip. And I got international super hits this <laughs> hand. I'm not listening to this sermon today at all. No way, man. You can get over it. Uh, so yeah, I don't. I like Green Day up until I don't like American Idiot. Um, still, it, still didn't grow. No, on you and after. I think the. I mean, I think one of the reasons I don't, I never liked it, and just began to, um, basically write them off is the same reason I did. I've done it for other things because of this reason. It's because people our age were less aware of Green Day before that. That is a lot of people our age's intro. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't mine out of fortune more than anything else. Right. You know, but it was for other people our age. And when they were all telling me about how great it is, I said, how do you not know about all of the better things that are before that? Right. And all you want to You've talk to me about. You've never heard of Dookie? Yeah. All you want to talk to me about is American Idiot. You don't even know the rest of this. So right. it was just like, all right, guys. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure that that pushed me to be like, this album is stupid. But uh, they're just pretty. Never lost you. Yeah, they're good. They're one of the only current bands, and it's before I listened to Rancid, and before I listened to you know. There's a lot of punk bands at the time that were legitimate punk bands. Still, you know, in the vein of the '70s and the '80s and whatever. I just didn't. That's just where I started, and uh, I consider them to be legitimate. And I listened to them. And I like them. I still do. Yeah. So, and it's some of the first things I learned. I learned punk on the guitar first. I learned Ramon songs. I learned Green Day songs. So I like Green Day. I think Green Day is important for modern punk. I mean, it, it would we wouldn't have the things that you guys really enjoyed in terms of your youth and pop punk stuff. And I, I grew to learn to like some of those things, even Taking Back Sunday, which is like mm-hmm. that and Thursday are like the biggest kind of pop punk things that I got into. Even those things are super uh, leaning on Green Day for influence and even just for like their ability to be popular. Yeah. So... Well, even just that, that right there, because I, I think that that's something that, you know, uh, can be credited to just about any pop, uh, any rock band in that period of time when rock music was kind of progressively and slowly losing favor in the mainstream. I mean, the 80s was all pop, you know, and rock music kind of started to, to dip away in the 80s and the 90s is when things kind of came back with the grunge boom. And like, you know, uh, of course, punk was something that also came back really because of Green Day. And I think that that's one of the important things is I think that punk rock purists, I don't know any of those or anything. I don't know. I think that people in that scene tend to think like, I don't want them to go mainstream. I don't want them to be popular. I want them to stay in the underground. And I just don't have that inkling of of a thought process where i'm like i don't want someone to succeed you know they were like, really never in the under like their their debut uh from a major label was like the biggest album and then they never didn't have that Green no, but from 88 to 94 yeah, though, for their first that was all but yeah. were they really that big though no that's, that's what the, the point. point they're underground yeah that that's point. the point well they were part of an underground scene in the san francisco area right the Gil- the gilman street scene yeah was a scene, underground scene that they were a part of mm-hmm. correct so and you know I, I'm with. I understand what you, like your point of. Uh, That's what I, but people like, talk about. In the event that I was at like those underground shows and I was like really into Green Day, I wouldn't be like, I hope no one ever hears of this and it's just for me. Well, I only want to see them in this basement. Well, this was so good. I want everyone yeah. to know about this, and I, I think that's one of the things where like I get that punk rock at its core is one of those things where it's like it's so uh, counterculture. 
and revolutionary and uh, sociopolitical and blah, 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 all those terms. And you don't think that they're going to be able to transcend into a mainstream life. But it's right. kind of like our conversation with Rage Against the Machine. Like, yeah, they went mainstream, but people wouldn't have been exposed to these ideas. Yeah, and they, they didn't not... change their, who right. they were. Yeah. The thing that's interesting, right. also it brought punk into a the Green Day. It's about spectrum. exposure. How many times could you, over their career, how many times could you say that they sold out? Like, yeah. so many. Yeah. When they signed to a major label, yep. right. when they were in uh, movie soundtracks, when they made American Idiot, yep. when they were made a Broadway show, like yeah. when they were featured times, on King of the Hill. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. that's not selling. No, I agree. Yeah, but like, yeah, like I mean, like multiple times since in their thirty-year career or whatever it's been. I mean, they were in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is like you don't say no to that. You know, right. like, it doesn't matter, like how, whatever you would consider that selling out or not. Like if you're to the point that you can make it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you are not selling out. Yeah, you've not sold out. Well, really, you've uh, somehow you've done something to already sell out at that point. In the in the eye of what would be kind of the purest. Yeah, because you don't have very things. many independent groups. I mean, Ramones, are in, Ramones are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you don't see me complaining about that. No. No, I mean, I don't have and any issue shouldn't. with a band being in the Rock and Hall of Fame. but And the Rage should have been in this year, too, but they didn't get the nomination, which is nonsense. Ridiculous. They yeah. still at that point. But, well, they, this was the first year of eligibility. Was it? I believe so. Uh, no, I thought that they had been tried. They've tried to nominate them a couple times. I thought that this was the first year that they were eligible, but I guess that doesn't really know. make sense. I don't know mathematically. Mm, yeah, but... because they would have been around the same point in time of Green Day, I would think, and they got nominated yeah. what, in 2014? 15, I think. 15. Yeah, oh. it would have been sooner. Doesn't well, matter. I uh, want to feel. I really want to feel this stay in the underground attitude, but I know that if it weren't for becoming becoming more successful and being in the mainstream for me it's not just about exposure necessarily but that exposure brings access i would probably have never known about green day well you know that's I mean? the and thing i would maybe never have like so even like i mean fugazi is an example that i'd like to think about Ooh, Franz were, Ferdinand it, and fugazi but fugazi was like it, like depending on who you are they were they got mainstream notoriety or they didn't they right. kind of did kind of didn't yeah like, i've talked to people i've talked to travis and he's like it's so weird that that's the band that you listen to that meant a lot that you couldn't talk to anyone about because no one listened to. Because when I was in school, like when I was growing up, where I was growing up, that's just like who you listened to. Like yeah. people knew that you listened to that, you right. know? So, you know, different times, different periods and whatever. Right. But well, you have to everyone think about has to like, get to a certain place or you, no one has access to it. That's what I was going to say. I mean, there's no way to find the underground scene if you didn't know there was a scene at all. And how are you going to find out there's a scene? Right. You aren't going to just accidentally fall into a dive bar and find punk rock. Like, you're going to be exposed to mainstream punk rock music, and then you're going to go find the underground shit. Yeah. Not to be, That's not just how it works. You know? you know? Well, yeah. But you get my point. <laughs> Is that, like, yeah. in modern times, yeah. like, in the same way that, like, you know, it, it's different with the internet, obviously, of course, but like, you know, before then, you had to have some way of finding this shit to be able to even hear it. And then you could dig down and say, oh, wow, there's a whole underground right. scene. But you're not going to start digging if you haven't even made it to the ground yet. So No, it'd have to, I mean, it would start with people from that scene getting local radio play, which just isn't something that even happens anymore. No, you know it's a world that's totally different. So College radio to, is dead. You yeah, know, they'd have right, they'd have to get it. some kind of yeah, they'd have to get some kind of local radio play, and then the only real like potential blow up exposure is those DJs swapping stuff with other DJs, right? Really, to an extent, you know, yeah. or just giving samples to people. So it was like you couldn't just it was hard to just find one and do something unless it kind of blew up. 
Unfortunately, Green Day was in a good time period too, because in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, and mid 90s, these scenes bred their own labels. Like Merge is Super Chunk's label, which the scene was the Chapel Hill indie rock scene in North Carolina. That's where it was centered. That's where things were happening. Merge was the label they created to document that scene. And then even beyond that, came out and now have been taking people who fit into, you know, whatever the mindset of that was and are bringing people in. Right. So like green day got lucky that they were in a time where that kind of like D the DIY mentality was spreading out from just hardcore punk in the eighties into other genres into just getting people exposure. I mean, sub pop was growing at that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, green day just happened to hit it where their music was also just yeah. poppy enough to like do something right. too. So it was a it was a big period of exposure for music and underground season in general. Even similar to like uh, you know, this is, yeah, not to take on forever, but like even similar to the fact that like Nirvana was like right, right. before them too, and right. that helped because like they were also someone who was kind of underground, came to a major label, blew up, and that helps other artists do the same because mm-hmm. they're like, oh wow, look how this worked for this group. We got to find our own. Here's a Green Day. Yep. Let's do that. So. But I, yeah, I think that they were definitely worth covering. There's a lot of importance to them. uh, And I'm I'm glad we were here. Mm. I think we did the right thing today. Mm. Thank you for listening to this week's Record Roundtable. I told you I was going to do it. Record Roundtable. We've been talking about Green Day. And uh, next week we're going to be talking about Seager Ross. You have to tune in and figure out how that's going to be. Uh, check out our website at recordroundtable.com where you can find all of our social media bits check us out on patreon.com slash recordroundtable if you'd like to support us we'd love it if you did check out our sister podcast Good Band Bad Band where we cover other stuff it's silly sometimes thanks for listening and goodbye goodbye